0: To Prince Among Queens, featuring your host, Troy Bronstein. In this program, Troy speaks to some of the most talented recording artists in the music business. You'll hear the stories, as well as the stories behind the stories. What's big? What's now? What's next? You'll get the updates right here. Now, here's Troy Bronstein.
1: Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to my show, Prince Among Queens. I'm your host, Troy Bronstein. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at Troy at T-BestTalentAgency.com. And if you'd like to call in today to ask our special guest any questions, you can do so on 866-472-5787. All right. This week, we're doing a special edition. It's uh, our King's edition. So as well as the Queen's, we've got some Kings here. And we have a special guest today. Uh, I've worked with this gentleman for many, many years. Um, He's a voice that's known on the radio. I'd like to welcome a good friend of mine from Rolls-Royce, Mr. Kenny Copeland.
2: Hello, hello, everybody out there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> welcome, Kenny. How are you? Good? I'm doing good. Good, good, good. Well, thank you for taking the time out to do the show today. I appreciate it. Yeah, My pleasure. And um, basically, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive in here. Um, some of this information is very informative because I wasn't even aware of it myself, but um, so if, if, if something is wrong, please correct me um, as well. But in the beginning for Rolls-Royce, it basically started with um, some backup bands from Watson and Ingleside uh, in the areas of Los Angeles, and you became Total Concept Unlimited. Is that correct? Yes, we
2: did. We had a few other names prior to Total Concept. One of them was – the Total Concept was the first one, and then we had uh, Magic Wand and- and another thing called the Soul something, so you know. But pretty much the total concept unlimited, we were known for uh, at that during that time period.
1: Okay, all right. And then at that at that time, you basically you guys toured with uh, Edwin Starr over in England yeah, and yeah, Japan. Edwin
2: Starr. Edwin Starr was the uh, was the guy who really gave us our start. Uh, he was looking for a, a band to tour with him, and uh, one of my, I think, my guitar player went on the radio and uh, said that, you know, let everyone starting no, off. I think the radio station at that time was called KGFJ, I believe, at that time. And uh, he put it, put out a, uh, uh, a little advertisement, and let him know that we were looking, uh, uh, it, we're looking for him to uh, come see us to play uh, to perform. Mm-hmm. And it, he liked us, and uh, that's what he did.
1: Now, uh, Edwin Starr is also the one that introduced you to Norman Whitfield. It's Whitfield, correct? Yes, oh, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, did. <laughs> and yes, um, Whitfield at that time was working with um, Motown, and I guess he was known as the psychedelic shaman, as they as they called him. But um, he was in, uh, very influential, and in, um, uh, starting his own record label, and then he signed you guys on to his label uh, as I a guess first he did. act. Yeah. Yeah, yes,
2: he did. Uh, prior to then, he uh, we were actually speaking with uh, Motown to, to be signed to them directly.
1: Oh, really? Okay.
2: And, uh, at that time, Norman Whitfield was uh, one of the staff producers for Motown. And and he had, you know, came to see some of our shows with it when And I'll never forget this. We were in a room. Uh, the lady by the, by the name of Suzanne DePass at, uh, at Motown during that time. Uh, she was speaking with us uh, and Norman came and saw us in the room and he just stepped in for a moment and said, listen, I'm getting ready to have my uh, to get my own label. But if you guys sign with Motown, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we kind of like, wow, we're right in the middle of this. So me and the guys, we talked about it. And at a spur of the moment, we decided that we would rather sign with Norman. So when Suzanne in the past came back, I mean, can you believe we told you the past? And she really couldn't believe it. A a street group with no success is going to pass on Motown. You know, that was kind of unbelievable to her. But in retrospect, we made the right decision.
1: Right. Well, also, I mean, um, he had, you know, under his belt from when I uh, I'm aware of he had, well, the Edwin Starr's song, War, and then he did Smiling Faces, and Papa was a rolling stone for the temptation. So he, I mean, had some, you know, notches on his belt, so sort to of speak. So it wasn't like you he were going producer. with a blind person, you know?
2: He was a big producer. You know, we we had, uh, did our, we studied him, we we followed him, and we were very excited to uh, be able to work with him.
1: Mm-hmm. And then I've got on here, um, well, then I have on here, then you went and you were called Magic Wand, but you started working with Yvonne Fair um, and the concert band Undisputed Truth. Now, Yvonne, I'm not familiar with Yvonne Fair. Who is that? Do you remember?
2: Yvonne, Yvonne Fair, she was a Motown artist. And later on, she was married to Sammy Strain, who was a, a member of the OJs. Okay. And uh, when she went out to do uh, some shows, Motown had recommended her to, uh, uh, to us to be her backing band. So at that time, you know, we were just trying to make it. So we seen an opportunity and uh, we backed her up for a lot of shows, mainly starting in Las Vegas for about uh, probably a solid year. Mm-hmm. And she never really became a big artist, but, you know, she was on her way. She did some records and uh, but they never really uh, became a big hit. But people did know who she was was, and uh, we played behind her for at least a year.
1: Mm-hmm. Now after that, I understand it was during a, a tour stop in Miami. I guess um, one of the leaders, Joe Harris, uh, came across Gwen Diggy and in another group. I guess she was performing in another group, and he suggested to uh, to Norman that you know give her a shot that she can sing and she went and they flew and did an audition. And the next thing you knew, she was part of your group. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was kind of all like, from what I can read it, all this seems like it happened so fast. And then, you know, he gave her the name of Rose Norwald and, you know, uh, the, the yeah, yeah,
2: that, that, that whole story, uh, <laughs> Norman decided, although I was a trumpet player and, and Norman knew that I could sing, but, I wasn't the main lead singer. So he just suggested, he said, well, you know what, Kenny, you play trumpet, you do some singing, but I think to fulfill the boy spot, you guys need another singer. So he asked us, would you prefer a uh, female or a male? Mm -hmm. So uh, we decided that we uh, would want to incorporate a uh, female into the group. Mm -hmm. So he started putting fillers out for a female. And uh, that's when Joe Harris came into play and he uh, suggested that we try this singer out by the name of Gwen Dickey from uh, Biloxi, Mississippi. That's where she was originally from. Mm-hmm. And uh, we heard part of it, uh, you know, from a tape. Norman then flew her out and introduced her to us. And uh, from there, we started working with her, and we uh, decided that uh, she could be a part of the group.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, So, so, so at that point, then it took off. Now. I've got I've got a couple names that I'm not familiar with that were part of of the group because then you as you became Rolls Royce. I mean I know there was Henry and then there was uh, Terrell. Um, uh, was it Duke? I just know him by Duke. Duke, Michael Moore, yourself, and Kenji Brown, and Freddie Dunn, right? Freddy yeah, Freddie, Freddie Dunn, and and, the, uh, and Victor Nix.
2: Victor Nix, Victor Nicks. Victor Nicks. He, uh, of
1: course, he's no longer, no longer with us, but right. that was pretty much the uh, nucleus. And you have Kenji Brown. Kenji Brown was there. Yeah, Kenji talk. Brown's in there. But now I came across the name Jack Ashford. Was he part of the group for a little bit? No, no, no. He wasn't a part of the
2: group at all. He was a studio musician okay. that pretty much uh, did a lot of our recording sessions, mm-hmm.
1: but he was never uh, a part of the group. A part of your group, right. Now, is that any af- affiliation with Ashford and Simpson? No, not at all. Oh, okay, <laughs> just, <laughs> the last, just the last name, but no affiliation. No affiliation. Okay, and not then I, I came across um, three names actually. A um, him then Walter Downing. Yeah,
2: Walter Downing was the, the same as him. He was a studio musician that Norman okay. used to
1: assist in some of our uh, recordings. Some of the recordings on the album, probably. Then the same thing with Michael Nash. No, no, Michael Nash
2: was uh, actually became a member because. Victor Nix started out uh, on the Car Wash LP, but he he got sick, and he had to take a leave of absence, and uh, Michael Nash filled that void, but Victor never really recovered. He really had, like, a nervous breakdown, hmm. and uh, so we just brought in Michael Nash, which we knew already, uh, you know, from just playing around town, and then uh, he eventually became the uh, main keyboard player for uh, Rose Royce.
1: Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, so then as this is all going down with you guys uh, and you're signed with, with Whitfield and everything, he, I guess, was contacted by Michael Schultz, who's the, the uh, director of Cooley High, and was talking to him about doing the soundtrack for Car Wash. Which then yeah, became- yeah that,
2: uh, what happened, uh, we started working on a studio album. Uh And we had that pretty much, we started at Norman House. uh, We put the tracks together and that was our main goal to do do a studio album. But then uh, in the midst of that, uh, Norman said, hey, listen, guys, I have an opportunity to uh, do a soundtrack and I want to use you guys, you know, to play the music. So what that meant was we would have to put our uh, studio album on hold and go directly to the soundtrack. And uh, we all decided that's what uh, we wanted.
1: That's what we were going to do. And that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Now, how exciting was that for you to have? I mean, here, you're still trying. You're trying to, to get there, trying to make it. Everything seems like that you're picking the right things to do. And then now you guys are offered a soundtrack. I mean, that's, that's amazing. I mean,
2: yeah, that, that was really exciting. Uh, uh, the most important thing uh, that we wanted to do was to make sure that we came up with very good songs for the soundtrack. And the reason why is because uh, in case the movie flopped, <laughs> we would still have good songs. Right, right. So, uh, so we did the songs as if we were doing a studio album. And I, I guess by doing that, uh, I guess the, uh, the rewards were, both of them ended up being a big success, the songs and the movies. So we had the best of both worlds.
1: Right. Well, th- th- the whole movie, The Car Wash, brought, I mean, international fame to to you guys because it was uh, won the Best Music Award at the Cannes Film Festival. And then it was, um, was it nominated? Or actually, no, it received the Grammy for Best Motion Picture Score Album of the Year. So, that- Yeah, you know, uh, we were very excited about
2: that. I, the only downside, uh, we didn't understand why people would be interested in a car wash. At the time, you know what I mean, because uh, Henry Garner, the drummer, and myself, you know, for a few years, we worked at the car wash. <laughs> and then, you know I mean. I always tell everybody, it's a dollar sixty-five an hour, so we were trying to get out of there, so we couldn't uh, conceive, but uh, why would people be interested in a car wash? But fortunately, uh, the way the movie was designed, and it was a clean-cut movie, if you notice, it was a PG-rated. And right. kept it real clean, so it, it could appeal to the young, old kids, the whole nine yards. So uh, we were pleasantly uh, surprised.
1: Yeah. Now, you worked at the car Did you work at that particular car wash that they were filming the from?
2: Or no? no, not that one. We worked <laughs> at that was closer to South Central, where we grew up at. Uh, the other one was done more in the Wilshire district. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so we we did not work it
1: that way. No, <laughs> so, well, it's, it is kind of ironic, you know, that um, the the soundtrack and, and the, the, the first song that pops and brings you guys into, you know, I'm going to say stardom is was car wash, the movie and the track. So what yeah, we're
2: yeah t- that was normally uh, <laughs> go down to the uh, when they were filming every day to get a to get a sense of what was going on. Uh, so he would go there and then he would come back and he said, You know, they got these machines going on, so we should, we need to come up with something like you're getting a machine started. So then, you know, we started out with the hand claps and then everybody started putting putting in their input and finally the song grew. And then once it got to a level where Norman said, Well, you know, fellas, I think this is it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how the uh, song.
1: Yeah, the rest of that is history. So we're going to take a quick break. And for those of you out there, you're going to hear a piece of that song, Car Wash, right now. And we'll be right back with more of Kenny Copeland.
2: i uh, Or maybe even a
0: Indian chief Working At the car wash Working at the car wash, yeah Come on and sing it with me Car wash Sing it with the feeling now Car wash, yeah Woo! Come some of the work gets
2: kinda hard And this ain't no place to be If you plan on being
3: a star. Let me tell you, it's always cool, and the boss don't mind sometimes if you act the fool at the car wash. Oh, 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 oh. talking about the car, car washer.
0: washer. Come on, y'all and sing it for me. Car wash, woo,
3: car washer.
0: Work
3: and work.
1: Well, those cars never seem to stop coming.
0: Keep those bags and machines humming. Work and work. My fingers to the bone. Work People, I can't wait till it's time to go on. Hey, it's your car wash today. Hi, this is Crystal
1: Waters, and you're listening to my favorite prince, Troy Bronstein, on Prince
3: Amongst Queens on VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Dive on in. That's right, dive on into my favorite prince among queens, Troy Bronstein. You tell him Debbie Holiday sent you.
0: listening to prince among queens with troy bronstein to reach the show today call into 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 you can also reach out by email to troy at t-besttalentagency.com now back to prince among queens
1: Alright, everybody, welcome back. We are here with our special guest Kenny Copeland from Rose Royce. And we were just discussing uh the movie and the soundtrack, Car Wash, that basically brought you guys onto the uh onto the map and into the stardom thing. And the soundtrack was released um in nineteen seventy-six, a little bit after the movie, but it did gain the three uh you had three hits, uh Car Wash, I wanna get next to you, and I'm going down. And um so again, you're 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 right out of the box basically you're a newbie coming in and you're coming in strong with a soundtrack that's winning awards. And now you've got three, you know, top 10 singles. I mean, how, how did you feel on that? First I'm going to ask you that question. How did you, how did you feel? Did you feel like, you know, a sense of accomplishment or you're like, wow, we can really do this. This can happen. I mean, what was going through your head at this time? Well,
2: you know, the funny part about it, uh, you really get a sense of, of, uh, Pride and success when you hear the song on the video. That was going to be my you know, next once, question. You know, I was driving up.
1: <laughs> how you, how you reacted
2: the first up. time. Yeah, I had a little uh, little Mustang, convertible Mustang. And I was telling people, all of my friends and all, that I we had a song coming out. For some reason, they didn't believe us. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah, okay, you driving this, you're not so good shape Mustang talking about you got a song coming out. We'll see. So when it the the, the day that the song came out, I pulled over, and I just sat there, and, and it just made. It, there's no other feeling, no other adrenaline that you get when you hear yourself on the radio for the first time ever.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, I it was just like I was dreaming. It was like I couldn't believe what was going on. And then as time went on, as you know, Troy, they played that song more. Sure. I mean, all day, every day, every station. You know what I mean. So at that time, all the guys said, "Man, I can finally say we have made it." And then when uh, not just that song, then when another song came out, and it started getting the same attention and the same airplay, oh man, we felt big time. I mean, big time. You know, because we had no idea at the time. I know that was our goal to make the song strong, and that's what we had worked on in case the movie didn't happen, but. When the, when the songs was a success, and then the uh, movie was a success, I mean, you can't ask for any more.
1: Right, right, well, and especially the second song, I want to get next to you, basically was you, on the um, vocals, that, so that's I mean, that's a, that's a whole nother different thing, because it's not the group, it's you. <laughs> you, know, you. You know,
2: now I'm gonna tell you something, Troy, hope we got time for this. Norman had to talk me into singing that song, because really? you know, as you know, I played trumpet, I was playing trumpet, and Norman said, Kenny. He came to me and said, listen, for this particular scene, uh, we need a male voice. And I've been hearing you toot around. I know you can sing a little bit. Just, with a little coaching, I think we can make it work. So I actually told Norman, I said, well, you know, I'm really not that interested in really singing anything. I just want to just play my trumpet and <laughs> dance and sing your a part. He said, Kenny, uh, I have nobody else can do it. You're the only person in the group that can do it. I said, okay, well, let's give it a shot. So when he took me in the studio, and we started you know, working on the song. Man, I thought, I'm gonna be honest, I thought I was working with somebody that's a madman man because he's such a perfectionist. He started making me do things that, that I thought was good, but he said wasn't good enough. And I would do line for line over and over and over. So finally, make a long story short, I said, listen, Norman, he finally got what he wanted, got the song, I said, listen, don't ask me to sing anymore. I said, because if, it, if it's this hard to sing, I'd just rather play my trumpet. And he started laughing. Six weeks later, the song went number one mm. in the R&B charts. And he came back to me. He said, Kenny, uh, you, you still don't want to sing anymore? I said, well, I think I feel a little differently now. <laughs> I said, you know I said? I, You know, the hard work paid off. And I, I didn't understand you. I didn't understand you was putting a whip on me. But now... You, I
1: get
2: understand it. It. <laughs> I you get understand it. Now you get it. Yep. And uh, so that's when I said, "Wow, you know, maybe I should sing a little bit more." You know what I mean? And and that's how that, that's how that song came about. That's and funny story. Really. Such a perfect song as well because we we kind of tailored all of the songs to fit the movie. So mm-hmm. where, uh, next to you with the scene, I'm going down. They all fit the movie, so I think we did a good job on that.
1: hmm. Now, how how how. I don't want to say how did things change for you, but how did your like your friends that were saying, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You got a song coming out then all of a sudden. Now, here's a song that you are singing, not the group. This is focused more on you. How are your friends treating you at that point? <laughs> they, they,
2: they always said, I knew you could do it, but I never realized that you can sing like that. Mm-hmm. That's what they said. they said. Man, you uh," And, and the funny part about it, I always hung around singing groups. But I would never sing, so they never thought that I could uh, sing. So all the singing group guys, that when we were coming up, they all came to me and said, Kenny, what is this, man? Why didn't you do this back in high school? If we would have known you sound this good, we would have asked you to sing with us. I said, well, you know, I really wasn't that interested. You know? <laughs> so it's was a certain amount of natural ability, uh, you know, because I just always listened to, uh, you know, Philip Bailey and uh, Eddie Kendricks and those guys. And Norman saw that in me when I didn't see it in myself. So it, it was a a pleasant, uh, a pleasant surprise. He said, you can never tell nobody you don't sing no more. That's it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how
1: that came about. There you go. See, and just Norman, he brought it out. He brought it out on yeah, you. He brought it out.
2: He definitely brought it out on me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. That's, I mean, that's, that's great. That's awesome. So you guys are still on a, on a roll and people now are starting to know who, who Rose Royce is. But, um, I remember a funny story that, um, your wife, Vanessa, the lovely Vanessa, uh, told me when she first met you, that was, uh, I think is is very, very funny, um, because I guess she didn't know what you did as a career when you first went out on, on the date, and you're like, well, I'm a singer or something like that, and then your song came on the radio, and
2: yeah, it was you like, you're like, that's, that's me? What
1: happened, what happened
2: was, uh, she, uh, uh, when I came over to her house for the first time, and The way that I look, you know, I, I, they always, to be very honest, everybody thought that she said, you look like a pimp. You got this gold tee, you got all this jewelry and gold around your neck (laughs) on the car. It says Mr. Gold. You know what I mean? So she she asked me, what do you do? And I just kind of played it down. I said, well, you know, I do a little this, a little that, you know, you know, (laughs) know, I never really told her. So after about the third date, uh, She said, you know what? Before we go any further, you're going to have to tell me what you do. Otherwise, we can't go out. (laughs) So I said, oh, I said, "Okay, get in the car. So at that time, I took her up to uh, Sunset Boulevard. It was Tower. remember Tower Records? Yep. Yep. Records is Sunset Boulevard. And I took her in the record store and I pulled out one of our albums and I showed her uh, my name. And she said, so this is you. I said, "Yeah, I don't like to say anything." She said, "Why don't you say something in the beginning?" I said, "Because I had to make sure that you like me first. Right. and you like you know. for you? <laughs> so at, at, so when I told her that, she was at ease and uh, it was a funny story. She kind of like, "Okay." Because she said cuz her friends of mine, she said her friends said, "Watch out for that guy. He's either a drug dealer or a pimp." You know, the <laughs> he look and he's driving this Cadillac Seville two-tone and Mr. Gold on a license plate and all of this gold jewelry. Don't trust this guy. So finally, uh uh, you know, when she found out she was at ease. Now the funny
1: part about that, uh. Well you story, upgraded but, you upgraded too from your Mustang to this Cadillac now, right? Oh yeah, That's all right, the, exactly. All this yeah. stuff's yeah. happening yeah. to you right. you're, you're like you're rising you're above right. as right. well.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I eventually had to take the uh the Mr. Gold off my license plate because then the police started stopping me a lot on sunset. Really? And I kind of say, and I would have to keep an album in my car and say, This is what I do. You say, you know what? Might be a good idea if you take that Mr. Gold off your license plate. So eventually I took it off and I gave myself another nickname called Captain, Captain Gold. And once that <laughs> happened, everything was fine. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was back in the day, you know.
1: Uh God. Yeah, well, I mean, you know. That's funny, yeah, because as you were telling that story, I'm thinking, well, he upgraded then from the Mustang. He ain't driving the Mustang no more with all the no, Mr. No. Gold, Mr. Gold and all that. I said, now he's starting to to feel the oats of his work, you know?
2: Exactly. You know, you start buying little things and you feel good about yourself. And uh, at that particular time, having a lot of jewelry was the thing. You know what I mean? I don't wear half of that kind of stuff now, mm-hmm. but I'm saying back then, you know, all the diamond rings, and matter of fact, Norman actually gave uh, everybody a couple of presents. I think he gave me a diamond watch. He gave somebody else this, that, and the other because he knew that's what we liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that was that era, you know. But as time went on, you know, we didn't do that anymore. We didn't be like we didn't want to be like Mister T. You remember? I was Mr. just going to say
1: right? Mister T started to fade out.
2: Yeah, we didn't want to do it like that. But at that time, that was the, that was the thing to wear all the jewelry. So that's what we did.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, and then uh, after the whole car wash thing, you guys had a follow-up album, uh, Rolls Royce 2 in Full Bloom, which also produced uh, Wishing On A Star and Oh Boy. And um, those songs also became top 10 hits. Um, but one of them, Wishing On A Star, only became a top 10 hit in the UK for some reason. But um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. It's time again. And uh, actually, the song that Kenny, that you sang, I Want To Get Next To You, is what we're going to feature uh, here now as we take our break and uh, enjoy that track and we'll be right back with more of Kenny Copeland from Rolls-Royce.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hi, this is Jeannie Tracy. You're listening to our favorite prince, Roy Brunstein, on Prince Among Queens on VoiceAmerica.com. The variety channel hi
0: this is Linda Clifford and you're listening to a prince among Queens featuring Troy Bronstein you're listening to Prince among Queens with Troy Bronstein. To reach the show today, call into 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also reach out by email to troy at t-besttalentagency.com. Now, back to Prince Among Queens.
1: Okay, everybody, welcome back. We're here with Kenny Copeland from Rolls Royce. And we were just talking about... The first uh, album out of the box, uh, the soundtrack to Car Wash, and the uh, much success that it had. So then you had your follow up uh, album, Full Bloom, which I was saying uh, produced Wishing on a Star and Ooh Boy um, on that. Um, Wishing on a Star, also the Cover Girls redid it in uh, 1992. Now, did you guys write that song? Wishing on no, a Star?
2: No, uh, no, no, we did not. Actually, uh, Norman's girlfriend at the time wrote that song. And uh, uh, there's a little story behind that. She was submitting that song at the time to Barbara Streisand, mm. and uh, Norman talked her out of it because we heard him say, want that song. But that was her goal was to get it to a uh, Barbara Streisand. But Norman, uh, he said, I had to talk her out of it because he said it would have been a perfect song for you guys. And he played it for us, and uh, and we said this is a different type tune. Uh, and they said, I think it'll be good for you. So we listened to it. I said, hey, let's go for it. We liked it. Uh, you know, uh, Gwen did a good job on it. And uh, that's how that came about.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, uh, well, it's it's a great song. I mean, I was thinking if you wrote it, if you guys wrote it, then you'd be getting the, the royalties Oh, and that, that, and all that, these remakes that they're doing.
2: <laughs> that's the only regrets. At that time, I was all artists. I didn't even think about writing. <laughs> writing. I just want to perform and be on stage. That's, uh, that's but a- not now, not just that. <laughs> well, now,
1: as as we grow older in the business, and I'm going to say we mature, and we see where the money actually comes, it's writing and publishing, because that'll take care of you for the rest I, of your life.
2: When I found out that the guys make all the money that don't sing, dance, or play, <laughs> that's when I said I need to get it. A- I did be on their side of the fence.
1: <laughs> Those are guys like me. I'm on the backside.
2: <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm, I'm one of you know what I mean. So, but they you know, the managers, the uh, you know, the, the writers, the producers, they were you know they, they made more money than the artists than, than what I found out later on. Things are different now, but doing a seven was pretty much it. You know, the writer was the writer, the producer was the producer, producer, and the artist was the artist, and that's the way it went.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But it's different yeah. now.
1: That's very true. It was very um, uh, rigid in the way that it was done, and everybody had their position, everybody had their place, and everybody exactly. did their job, and then exactly. that was it. You know, right? If you were fortunate enough, like you guys were, you end up having hit. You know, you have hit songs. So, yeah, you yeah, know, that's what that's yeah. what carries you on. So on all the, on all these hits and stuff, you, there's no no publishing at that point. It's all other other writers that did everything. Yeah, other
2: writers and uh, Norman Norman Whitfield because right. uh, Norman Field and, and, and the other writers because he was building his company at the time and he wanted to give his writers a shot at doing things. So that that worked out for them.
1: Sure. And keep everything in house. It makes sense. It makes yeah, total sense. Exactly. Is Norman still with us? He's not still with us, is he? No, no. He passed
2: away in the uh, late uh, 90s. Uh, no, was it no early 2000, actually.
1: Early 2000. I, I can't
2: give the exact date, but I think it was somewhere around uh, 2005 or four. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had uh, uh, diabetes and uh, he passed away.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, at least, you know, he's got your legacy that, you know, to carry on. You guys were oh, his he legacy. has
2: a lot. I mean, he did a lot of the Temptations songs, Gladys Nights so and he got a big legacy, you know. Oh, he's they got, yeah.
1: He's got a catalog, I'm sure. But you guys were his yeah. first group on his label. Yeah, we were, we were his babies, you know. You know that's me, what, what know? I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you he, you he
2: brought would've... us from scratch, from his label, so I think we had a, a, a special meaning to him, you know, because these yeah. other artists were already established. So uh, he he groomed us uh, to what we are today.
1: Right, right. Now, you did a third album, uh, in 78, the third album, um, Rolls Royce 3 Strikes Again, and um, it featured "Diamond Love uh, and... Love don't live here anymore, which actually is one of my favorite songs. Um, yes. I remember listening to that over and over and over and over and over again, um, yeah. and that was on the album cover that had the purple and blue, which are both are my yeah. favorite colors, and had that rose yeah. in the front of it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so as you're, uh, I don't know how as you're traveling around now and you're touring and you're doing the dates and you're doing all this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, the group is, is enjoying the fruits. I'm going to say the fruits of the flavor and all that stuff. Um, but then it's kind of started to slow down a little bit. And I guess there were some, you know, I'm going to just say problems with, you know, with the group and, uh, you know, Gwen ended up leaving the group. Um, and then it disbanded for a while, but then, um, I'm assuming it was you that put that, put, everybody back together again and then continued on still to today, you know, with, with Rose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, had, we, we never really, uh, uh, broke up. We
2: had some, uh, personnel changes. Uh, I think uh, Gwen was kind of caught up into, uh, branching out, but and, uh-huh. which is nothing wrong with that. It's just that she did it the, uh, the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whenever, uh, you want to do something like that. So she got a, another manager, and uh, the manager started putting things in her head, and she started demanding certain things. And uh, I'll never forget, right after the Strikes Again album, we were getting ready to renew our contract, which is uh, the whole story is on the television show Unsung. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, she, uh, we were all up at our lawyer's office, and that's when she kind of made her move, uh, where she wanted... Uh, you know, most of the royalty she wanted, did she wanted that that was not agreed to prior to that? So she kind of threw this uh, at us at the at the at the wrong time and at the last minute. Mm-hmm. So of course, you know, after the lawyer working on the contract, she came up with all of these demands. Uh, I, since I was the leader of the band, I just decided that uh, uh, we're gonna make it real easy for it, and we just fired her on the spot, mm-hmm. and. Uh, We told Warner Brothers at the time, and they just told us that, well, uh, that's fine, but understand that we're gonna have to cut your whole deal down. And I say, well, if that's what you need to do. So they gave us a three album deal, they cut the deal down, but we kept going. And uh, at that time she was out of a deal. I think the strategy that her and her manager used did not work because they thought that we would negotiate, you know, and say, well, Maybe we'll do this or do that, but we didn't do anything. So, mm-hmm. and they kind of just, you know, whatever. You know, because mm-hmm. I'm not a guy, Troy. Personality, I'm not a guy to be threatened, especially since we brought her in the group. And mm-hmm. ain't like we joined her group; you know, right. she joined ours. So was gonna let anybody come strong arms, and uh, so it's. Uh, and, and I can say uh, honestly and publicly, the relationship is still not good. It's just, mm-hmm. just bad blood.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, sad, you know, when when, um, when these type of things happen and, and, you know, it happens to a lot of, of you know, actors, actresses, uh, singers, you know, as they grow and become more and more popular, their head gets filled with bullshit, basically, and they start believing they, it. You know, you know what I mean? They start believing yeah, that after a while and it ruins their career. Exactly, it, it, exactly. exactly,
2: because... Uh, you know and even with you know even with some of the replacement girls that I've uh, had in, in the in the uh, past which I've used quite a few of them and they didn't even make the record and, and even they had start getting big because they out front singing the song mm-hmm. I said you got to understand you can make the song and whoever I put up here if they're adequate, it but they singing a song right and you know that's that's the way it's gonna be because you're not rose-royce you got you understand we are we are the group so you know, you have to conform to be like that. But I'm going to be very honest. Uh, it's, it's not very easy dealing with women in general, especially singers.
1: But mm-hmm. so you got to have
2: a special uh, 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 niche for that. And I think I'm pretty much a pro at it. Uh, <laughs> and I just always keep them in their place. And, and the first thing that I tell most of them, I say, number one, all I need is your talent. OK, I don't need anything else. I just need your talent. You don't have more money than me, and you're not finer than my wife. So ain't nothing you can offer me <laughs> but your talent. <laughs> and that's what I tell them all, you know what I mean. <laughs> and, you know, so that's the deal, and uh, and that's how I keep because can you imagine? You know, it's it's not good business trying to do it a different way.
1: Yeah, but uh, you know, also on on their side of the fence, it's probably you know, different too for them and a bit of a rush because, you know, yeah, they didn't sing the song, but a lot of the audiences, you know, a lot of them honestly don't know, you know what I mean? On who, you know, who was who um, and who did what. And, uh, you know, so for them, you know, getting the applause and getting all that stuff and the singers that you have had have been pretty, pretty damn good. I got to say, you know, the last one before the COVID and all that stuff, she had been with you for a while. She left cause her mom was ill. And then she came back. Um, yeah, she's
2: Betty, Betty Cook. I, I can <laughs> say a lot about her She's a team player Yeah. Uh, you know And uh, she's great She listens And uh, this is our niche she, I think she'll be there for a long time Plus yeah. she's been out there And uh, she knows how it goes And we treat her like family You know what I mean But we kind of treat everybody like that But I think she's more appreciative I think her eyes really Her whole life changed after her mother passed away I think uh, the way she looked at the world was just totally different then. She see that she got people that we we call her, we the big brothers uh, and we stay in contact with each other. So we got a good team. So when we go out with her, you know, it's, it's a, a total team. She likes to dress like us, which in the past, I've had some girls that want to dress different, but she likes to wear the same thing. We, we all wear red, she wants to wear red. Right. But that's, that's a sign of a team player. And she's definitely a team player.
1: No, that's that's true. And, and you know, that's one of the important things about having, you know, a group is that everybody has to be a team. There's no I in team, as they say, you know, and you've got to be, you know, a family. I mean, well, you know how I treat everybody, all the artists, you know, everybody's an artist. Everybody's the same. Nobody's better than anybody else. And if we're all here together, let's all just tear it up. You know what I mean? Let's do our jobs. And everybody's that, that's cool. The,
2: that's, that, that's the bottom line. But see, I think what happens, Troy, is they get out, uh, outside influence. That's, yeah. You know, and that's what happened outside. People start telling them, well, you really don't need them. You can do this or you can do that. And uh, they start believing that. But then the reality sets in after they leave us. And, and they open. find out that a lot of times they, they, they end up not doing anything on the same scale.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And they won't probably at that point. So we're going to take our, uh, our last break here. And you're going to hear... Um a piece of Wishing on a Star so we'll be right back with more of Kenny Copeland in a minute enjoy
0: I'm wishing on a star to follow away
3: Wishing on star. the voice america variety channel on twitter our hosts always have something to say and we know that you do too we tweet on today's hot topics and you're welcome to follow us speak up and join in at voice am variety that's at voice am variety
1: dive on in that's right dive on into my favorite prince among queens troy bronstein you tell him debbie holiday sent you
0: access all the time.
3: The Variety Channel. Hey family,
0: this is Robin S. And you're listening to Prince Among Queens with my brother from another mother, Troy Bronstein. You're listening to Prince Among Queens with Troy Bronstein to reach the show today call into 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 you can also reach out by email to troy at t-besttalentagency.com now back to prince among queens
1: all right welcome back everybody we're here with kenny copeland from rolls royce and in the last section here, I mean, there's still other things I want to ask Kenny about the the group and the career, but I want to make sure I get these in because these are it's a key everybody does it on on every show that I have. Um, the three favorites, which is now four favorites, so I got to start saying four um, city song show food. Um, what what is your favorite? Let's start with city. Your favorite city. This could be a city that you enjoy performing in, or it can be just a city that you love going to. Um, what's your favorite city?
2: Uh, I would say uh, Sydney, Australia. Ah, good Sydney, story. Australia. I mean, I love that place and we performed there a few times, but it's something about that atmosphere, you know, that I like. Uh, my experience over there, everybody was very nice. I enjoyed the atmosphere. And uh, that, I would say Balfour, that's one
1: of my favorite cities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Takes forever to get there, but it is fun once you get yeah, there. Yeah, I enjoy that part. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: that's a long time. <laughs> um. Okay, and what about show, a favorite show? It could be like your first one that you, you know, always remember as being your best. It could be Madison Square Garden. I mean, it could be the people's response. It could be 10 people, but they were cheering and yelling like it was – Ten thousand people. What what would you say is your best show?
2: Uh, my best and favorite show, that's most memorable, would be uh, in uh, Japan uh, when we played there for the first time. Because to see those people that really didn't speak English that mm-hmm. well, but but the uh, reception that they gave us was amazing, and uh, it's like it's like I couldn't believe it. And they were singing all the songs and and dancing and screaming and hollering. But then when you come on stage, you you really couldn't understand what they were saying. Right. You know what I mean? They they didn't speak that well. But they knew those songs. They could sing it. I was impressed. Yeah, yeah. They just can't speak it. They just can't speak it. But I was very impressed. It was a great reception.
1: Now, was that that when you went over with Rolls Royce or was that when you went over with Edwin Starr? With Rolls-Royce, actually. Okay. All right. Just yeah, wanted to Rolls-Royce. make it clear on which time. So. Yeah, with Rolls-Royce, it's sure. It's sure. Okay. And now, what about a favorite song? This could be a song that you just enjoy singing. It could be a song that's, you know, in your show that you look forward to performing. And, you know, instead of being like, oh, my God, I got to sing that song today. It's the fourth one on the list. I hate that song. What's one so that actually- you look forward to singing?
2: The the, the the song that we, that all the guys, just not myself, enjoy the most is one of the songs. I tell you, the truth, I forgot what the album was on, but it's called It Makes You Feel Like Dancing. Mm. And it's a party song with multiple leads. And we do everything in that song. We got choreography, we got, it's, it's like our show song. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, it was, it was just more of an album song, more of an album song. But we play it and, and we get the audience with that song all the time. That is uh, one of the highlights of our show. It's called It Makes You Feel Like Dancing. And we got all the ingredients in there, from the choreographer to, to the singing, to the dancing, to the sing-alongs. It's all in that particular song. So I would say it makes you feel like dancing by Rose Royce.
1: Okay. And now, favorite food. What's a favorite food of yours? The favorite food that has gotten me
2: in trouble a couple of times is Mexican food. Mexican? Me, Mexican food, the salsa and all of that. I just, I can eat it every day. I mean, a matter of fact, my wife, Vanessa, tells me, listen, every time we go out, I'm sick and tired of going to a Mexican restaurant. We must go (laughs) someplace else. I was just saying one last because I enjoyed it, the, the salsa, the margaritas, the whole atmosphere. I mean, I love it. I mean, I love Mexican food, and Vanessa said I love the salsa more than the food, too. but mm. that's kind of really true, but the, the, the sizzling fajitas, and that's my thing, man, I love that food, that is my
1: favorite food. Well, see, I I have to agree with you. I love Mexican food too. Well, you know, Mexico is my happy spot, Puerto Vallarta. So now for sure, you're going to have to come and and come down and visit and get some real authentic Mexican food. (laughs) And then Vanessa, though, there's other restaurants too. So we can take a break from Mexican and we'll have Mexican and then we'll go out and have steak or something like that or Italian. So I
2: should let her know.
1: I should let (laughs) her know. Now – How this whole, like, you, you, you know, you brought it up, um, in the beginning about, you know, COVID, how has this whole thing affected you? Well, outside of, you know, not being able to work and do stuff, but you in the group, I mean, are you all uh, still in touch? I mean, are you, you know, I know that you're still in touch, but I mean, um, as far as getting together, I mean, there's nothing you can do. So how has this affected you guys?
2: uh it, it, it's affected us a lot i do I, I talk to a lot of the guys on the phone you know about daily things or what it is my favorite word is what are you doing today man and they say what do you mean what are you doing today it's nothing to do you know everything is closed down the restaurants are closed down the movie theaters so uh, uh a lot of the guys have jumped into uh you know like fixing up their uh, construction on their houses or they practicing mm-hmm. and uh and that sort of thing, to, to keep them occupied. And uh, me, I think it kind of hit me the most, because for a while, it was like I was in a slump. I really didn't want to do anything. You know, just get up, eat, and complain, and <laughs> watch the politics, and all that kind of stuff. But I've kind of gotten out of that now. So we have had a few rehearsals uh, early on, and uh, but not that many. So when it, when it got real bad, everybody just kind of like just took a break. Uh, uh, you know and not do anything but that's pretty much for the most part everybody just talk spend time with their family like my grandkids and Mm -hmm. and spend time with them and uh I go to I I do more exercises now I'm walking every day getting in shape uh and a a couple of the casinos Troy was still open so uh (laughs) I, I still go to the casinos. Mm-hmm. That's my my second uh, thing that I do, and, uh, and that's pretty much it, you mm-hmm. know. Because uh, now that they're opening up more restaurants, we we go to a few of them, but for the most part, it's been just a takeout thing, you know. Because nothing was open.
1: That's what it was for a while, yeah. But now down in um, Palm Springs, because I know you guys got your your place down there too. It's it's reopened, so all the restaurants are open oh. now, and yeah, and oh, yeah. Um, they have outdoor seating and, and limited indoor seating. And, um, oh, it I
2: was there the other day, and it's like, what's going on? This is a parade because there was so many cars. I know. And <laughs> I didn't know what was going on, but and uh, people, you know, yeah. yeah. And the weather's it, it was nice too, and the weather's going to get better and better. So, uh so it, things are looking good now.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's good to see because, you know, at first uh, it just was crazy, and you just had that just sense of being alone and you know, I, I do have to say that with the whole COVID thing, people have gotten more um, health conscious and their families have gotten closer. You've been able to spend more time with family, you know, which is always important. And we get so busy. We forget about those things, you know, so, but um, our time is up, Mr. Copeland. I told you that hour was going to go quick. So you hang on. I'm going to, I'm going to still talk to you. I want to thank you for being on the show. And, um, uh, let everybody know next week I will not be on uh, I'm going to be having taken care of a, a friend of mine that's having some surgery so I'll be back in two weeks and um, enjoy your time and we will see you when we come back uh, my name is Troy Bronstein and this is Prince Among Queens the Kings edition special Kings edition and we'll see you in two weeks hopefully you enjoyed thank you
0: Thank you for listening to Prince Among Queens. Be sure to join host Troy Bronstein for another great episode next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, enjoy your week.